I preached on New Year's Eve. There were a handful of people here. I warned them that if they came on this Sunday, they would hear the same message, but it would be expanded. It is probably the most important message I can deliver to you in the course of this entire year, and I hope it will set the pace and the direction for you and me this coming year. Subject matter is prayer. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and uh, everywhere he goes, he's chased out of town, uh, sometimes at the point of death, because they don't want to hear the gospel. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica. There are 200,000 people in Thessalonica. Most of them are Gentiles. There are very few Jews in Thessalonica. And the church that was established there is made up of Gentiles. And the Gentiles who weren't worshipers of God, who worshiped the gods of Rome and Greece, they made life exceedingly miserable for the Christians who worship God. They defaced their homes. They burned down their homes. They cost them their jobs. They literally tried to run them out of town. And Paul is writing to these people. He says, Finally, brothers, pray for us. Pray for us. Notice what he does not ask for first. He does not ask for protection. He asks for something else. And when he asks for something else and not protection, he is telling the people of Thessalonica, you cannot be caught up so much in the persecution that you forget your purpose. And your purpose is to deliver the word of God no matter what is going on in your life. That is your primary purpose. I'm going to ask you to pray for me that the message we deliver might spread rapidly and be honored. And secondly, I'm going to ask you to pray for me that we might be protected from evil men because I'd like to live a little bit longer because the longer I live, the more people I can reach. Even if I'm in prison for seven years in Rome, I can reach the prisoners that are in that prison in Rome. I can have more success with the prisoners in Rome than I can out there in the other parts of the world. And if God lets me live a little bit longer, there will be other prison guards other than the one in Acts chapter 4 that will come to the faith in me. And if I can start a church here in this prison in Rome, and if I can get prison guards to believe in this, they're going to take it home. And Paul did one other thing while in prison. He didn't have live streaming. You see what I'm saying? He would write letters. And the letters would be given to Christians that came and risked their lives by visiting him. And they would take the letters out to the different church homes that they worshipped in, including the catacombs. And they would read his letters on a Sunday morning, and those letters became the sermons that he delivered. He said to them, pray for me that the message I'm supposed to deliver might spread rapidly. And then he said, pray that it would be honored as it was with you. What is he talking about? He's talking about something that happened 30 years earlier when Jesus has the parable of the sower and the seed. You remember the parable, right? Farmers out sowing seeds. Some falls on the ground and the birds say, thank you for the meal, and they eat it up right away. And some falls where there's shallow soil. It grows when the rain comes, but the sun comes and burns it all up. And some falls where there are thorns, 
And it grows, but the thorns grow taller and they choke it off. And then Jesus said 30 years earlier, some of the seed fell on good soil. And it produced a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what we're talking about here. Pray that the message spreads rapidly in Lystra and Derby and Philippi and Macedonia and Thessalonica. Pray that it spreads rapidly while I'm here in prison in Rome. And pray that wherever it spreads, it's honored. It's honored. It falls on good soil. Jesus bumps into a lady, one lady. She lives in a village where 200 other people live. That village was Sychar. When she bumps into Jesus three quarters of a mile from her home, out there at the well, Jesus fills her with what he calls living water. He says, drink of this, your life will be changed. Guess what? It was changed. It was changed. Plus the fact Jesus said, I'm going to tell you about your life. So she heads back into the village, right? And she knocks on on the doors and 200 people come out to the well. And 200 people, after Jesus stays there for two days, 200 people come to the faith. 200 people, one person, one person. And 200 people come to the faith. It fell on good soil when it landed in that lady's life. And it fell in good soil when it landed there in Sychar. You got one guy, his name is Jonah. And uh, and there's a reboot, like we did with the live streaming earlier today. There's a reboot in his life because he said, I'm not going to do the work you want me to do. When the whale swallows him, he changes his mind rather quickly. He goes to Nineveh. The Bible actually tells us how many people live there. 120,000. One man, Jonah, preaching to 120,000, takes him three days to get through every section of the city. And by the time he's through preaching, the Bible says 120,000 people have come to the faith. There was good soil in Jonah once God got a hold of him and set him on the right path. And there was good soil in Nineveh, which makes no sense whatsoever, because it was the most wicked, evil, brutal empire that ever existed. And yet God prepared the soil in that place. Three weeks ago, I delivered the seed there at LA Fitness to a gentleman that I've seen there for about three months, and finally we bump into each other. And he wants to know about the faith, and he wants to know about God, and he wants to know about the promises, has had no religion in his life ever. And the crowd he has hung with all these years, they are not conducive to one's spiritual well-being. So I'm talking to him for about a half an hour, and we're talking about prayer, and I'm talking about, you know, finding the devotion book, and I'm talking about the Bible, but find a devotion book first, because it'll help you navigate the pages of the Bible. We're talking about this. I'm actually having a prayer with him back in the corner of the gym. And I come one week later and he said, Paul, I don't understand what happened. I said, what happened? He said, you know, two days ago, my wife filed for divorce. The sheriff came up to my house. He said, I thought it wasn't supposed to work that way. Because I've been praying all week and I've been reading a devotion book and I just didn't think it was supposed to work that way. Guess what happened to him? The seed that the Spirit led me to plant in his life, it fell on thorny soil. He comes to the faith, he has the faith for one week, and then the thorns come and he collapses. Why? Because he doesn't have the maturity in the faith that you and I pray we have. 
And so you start all over with him. I start all over with him. And I go to one verse, John 16, 33, and I said, it says in this verse, Jesus speaking to his own disciples, in the world there's always going to be storms, Jerry. In the world there will always be storms, but the difference is if you have him, you have someone with you in the storm. He said, tell me more. So I told him about the story about John. I said, can you imagine if one of your children died? Can you imagine surviving that? Can you imagine still believing that God exists? Can you, can you imagine navigating those waters? I said, when that storm came to my wife and I and to my son Joshua, that's who we had with us. And there were so many mornings and so many days that the darkness was so bad that if I didn't have him, I don't know. And he said, I never realized you lost your son. I said, Jerry, storms will come. In fact, guess what? You come and you pray and you are looking at God's Word and you're reading devotions and Satan sees you sitting there and he says, I'm going to come after this guy early. I'm going to bring some stuff to him right away. We're going to wipe out this Christianity thing as quickly as we can. He said, Paul, I need to keep talking to you. And I said, we shall. We shall. We shall. There's a gentleman here this morning. I see Jack and Joe Ann Johnson. They're one of my shut-ins. He's their caregiver. And as I'm talking with them, having a devotion with them, I am just honored beyond measure that God has brought him from Manhattan this morning to this worship service. You and I plant the seed, and we pray that it falls on healthy soil. And if it doesn't, do we give up? If it doesn't fall on healthy soil, do I sit and shrug my shoulders, Jerry? We gave it a good shot, man. It just didn't work. Do you just give up? And the answer is no. Not if it's your son, not if it's your daughter, not if it's your aunt or your uncle, not if it's your next-door neighbor. You don't give up. You keep planting the seed, and God will water that seed. So he says, I, I pray that my message might spread rapidly and be honored, fall on good soil. And then he says, pray that I may be delivered from wicked men, for not everyone has faith. There are some people who wish me dead. And I tell you, he did it on purpose. He said to them, I'm asking you to pray that the message might go forth from me. And secondly, pray that I might be protected. And he's saying to them, that's my prayer for you. My first prayer for you is not that you're going to be protected. My first prayer for you is despite what you're going through, the thorns and the storms you're going through, my prayer is that the message goes out from you. And secondly, I'll pray that God protects you. Let me talk about prayer. There are weapons out there in the world used in war that leave one astonished when you look at what technology can do. There's an enemy tank 200 miles away. There is a, a missile that can hit that tank and blow up the tank, and the bridge that is over that tank is left undamaged. There are bombs guided by satellites. There are weapons of mass destruction. 
God protect us in the world from such things. But as amazing as those weapons are, particularly in their capacity to do great harm, God has given us a weapon and a blessing. It is a weapon when it's used against Satan. It is a blessing when it's used pertaining to our relationship to God. A weapon against Satan. There is no weapon that can be used against him except the weapon that God has given. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Satan is a spiritual power. God is a greater spiritual power. He says, I'm going to give you a weapon, and that weapon is called prayer. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, you have the armory of the weapons you need in 2024 to, to come against Satan. Breastplate of righteousness, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he ends that section by saying five times in two verses, pray and pray and pray some more and pray for all the saints and pray for us. Prayer is that weapon that God has given. It is supernatural in power. It has the ability to stop Satan in his tracks. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Come near to God in prayer and Satan will flee from you because he cannot be in the presence of God. And when you pray to God or when you open his word, you are literally standing in God's presence. James says, pray to him, open the word, and Satan has to flee. It is not only a weapon, it is also a blessing, supernatural in power. If you tried to call the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if you tried to call him on your phone, (laughs) what luck would you have? If you tried to call the President of the United States, what luck would you have? If you tried to call a surgeon who just did surgery on you or your loved one, what luck would you have? Here's what your luck would be. There are 15 people in front of you in the queue Please leave your number and we'll get back with you. The people that you wish you could get a hold of, you can't. He's sitting up there. The God who created everything. He's sitting up there, the God who loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you and me. He's sitting up there. And you and I have access to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why don't we pray? Do we forget? We don't forget to brush our teeth, I hope. Or take that shower every once in a while. Why do we forget? This past week, I had a perfect example. You know, Connie's spending a lot of time in the hospital these past three weeks. One thing after another going wrong. Me literally coming to the point wondering if that morning we were going to put her in hospice care. And you get so wrapped up, even if you're a pastor, you get so wrapped up in whatever you're going through, you know, I was so busy getting ready for the wedding. Or I was so getting, I was so busy getting ready for the baby. Or I was just so busy with my fears and, and my worries that we forget. We we get scooped up in whatever it is. And he's there. 
there was a day there at, uh, at Silver Cross Hospital that, that I walked down to the chapel. And uh, I was the only one in there. And I went up to the altar and I said prayers pertaining to Connie and myself. The irony is this. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he'll sup with me. Here's the irony. You haven't ever heard it before. John 6.44, No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. When I'm sitting in there in that room wondering if hospice care is going to come into play, wondering as I talk to the doctors and nurses, in a week are we going to be looking at hospice care? All of a sudden, John 6:44, I sit and say, Paul, go down to the chapel and pray. Who led me to do it? John 6:44. When you pray, it's God saying, pray. And then you pray. It's a double blessing. It's a double being in his presence. Number one, you wouldn't think about praying. You wouldn't think about open the word unless he beckoned you to do that. And when he beckons you to do it, by God's grace, I hope and pray, you listen to the knock and you do it. Some 25 years ago, my dear Joshua was, was enormously ill. And uh, it had come to the point uh, where he was five foot ten, and he weighed 90 pounds, and, and he lived in his bed or the bathroom because of ulcerative colitis having taken over everything. We're at Christ's Hospital, and the doctor said, can't do anything more for your son. Connie had Googled Stephen Hanauer, and he said, I know Stephen Hanauer, but, but they come from all over the world to see him. I don't think you'd be able to see him. And we call, and, and they said, we'll see you in nine months. That's his next uh, available appointment. And I said, well, jo- Josh won't be here two weeks from now. And I called the doctor back to Christ Hospital, and, and he called Stephen Hanauer. And within 15 minutes, there was a phone call. We'd like to see Joshua in three days. And when he saw Stephen Hanauer, again, people coming from all over the world to see him, Stephen Hanauer said, here's my cell phone number. And whenever you need to call me, you call me. And I promise you that within an hour after your phone call, I will call you back. There were three times where Josh was so ill and feeling so bad that he called Stephen Hanauer. And one time he got him live, and the other two times within a half hour, Stephen Hanauer called him back. Josh will never forget that. I'll never forget that. And the one time they talked for 40 minutes. I'm here. The creator of the universe. The one who can do more than any doctor can ever do. I'm here. When my parents were still alive, sometimes there was so much going on, it'd be two or three weeks before I called them. Most of the time they were gracious. I know you're busy. <laughs> but every once in a while they were not so gracious. <laughs> Glad you remembered we're still alive. 
Am I still in the will? Yeah, you are. Is that God? Is that God? It is God. When we do call upon him, there at Silver Cross Hospital in the chapel, he's saying, Paul, thanks so much. You and I are going to talk here. And maybe he also said, you've been a minister for 44 years. You tell people this all the time. Why did you spend those hours in so much fear and worry? Why? I'm right here. Jesus said it two months before he died, Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to me with whatever Satan brings into your life. How do you like that? Come to me with whatever Satan brings into your life. Whether it's of your own doing because of sin, like David, Bathsheba, and Uriah, or whether it's because something beyond your capability, the drunk driver that hit your car and changed your life forever. Bring to me whatever troubles Satan brings. And when you bring them to me in prayer, I will deliver you. Either the storm will go away or I'll be with you in the storm. I will deliver you from Satan's tentacles. And that's what I think about when I pray for Jerry there at LA Fitness. The storm has come. Maybe God can still save the marriage. He's hopeful that it it can happen that way. Maybe God will make the biopsy non-cancerous. Maybe it'll be five years and the cancer is not returned. Maybe the interview you had 10 months ago, they'll call you as they did to one of our members this past week and say, can you come next week? Maybe God will deliver from the storm. And if he doesn't, he'll be with you in the storm. Isaiah, the light will shine in the darkness in which you're walking. The light will shine in the darkness in which you are dwelling. His light will be there. Pray that the message of the gospel might go forth from us and pray that we might be protected so that the message can go forth from us. Closing word, part two next week. What's your New Year's resolution? Mine is no longer diet because I'm gluten-free and shall always remain gluten-free and lactose-free. So the diet thing is out. Thank you very much. The exercise thing is, you know, the knees are shot, okay? So that one's out. So I'm just left with the most important ones, and that is the spiritual ones. Wouldn't it be something that if your New Year's resolution this year was to reach someone else with the gospel, a son or a daughter or a colleague, a nurse at work, or someone in the neighborhood or someone on the metro train, wouldn't it be something that if your New Year's resolution was not about you in any way, shape, or form, except God using you in someone else's life to bring that gospel? Next week, part two 
on this matter of prayer. Heavenly Father, I would ask that you be with us every moment of every day. I would ask that you would extend our life on this earth so that we can reach that nurse at the hospital or that oncologist or that patient of ours or that colleague at work or that individual who blocks for me on the football team. I pray that you would give us time on this earth that we might use it to touch other people's lives, the hungry and the thirsty, with the word of God, the acts of kindness that your children bring, and above all else, I desire our desire to serve you with our lives. Continue to be with Jared and Kristen Hollick, for they work for CRU, used to be Campus Crusade for Christ, and their entire ministry is to reach other people's lives. And be with Mary Ann Keel, who works with One Way Ministries in Africa and other such places. May they continue to be blessed in the labors they do. May the word spread rapidly from them and fall on good soil. In our Lord's name, amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.